The Bills are up by three. It's 31 to 28. But there are one minute and 52 seconds remaining. So here we go. It's going to be fourth down. And Jake Elliott, with 25 seconds to go, is trying to tie the game. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... It's going up with time. He is amazing. He is amazing. Hurts on a quarterback draw. He's at the five. He's in. Touchdown. The Eagles win. Hurts does it again. Oh, my God. Hurts does it again. Are you kidding me? Yo, there's a party at Lincoln Financial Field. What is it, Coach? Who is it? Who's <laughs> missing, buddy? It ain't me. No, it ain't you today. <laughs> All right, we are. Well, we're high atop, as we always say, uh, at the Grimley Financial Studios today. It's Chad here for Speaking of Sports. Welcome back. We got Coach Al with us today and Chuck the Godfather calling in remote today. So, welcome, yeah, welcome in, Chuck. Action. Yeah, thanks, guys. What a, you know, it's like Disney replay. Hope everybody had a great weekend and, uh, yeah, it's like it's the replay. This is where we were last week, but on a Tuesday, talking about a remarkable, remarkable finish with the with the birds. The week before that, same thing. And uh, you can talk again about some luck, a lot of luck, but man, also hard, hard, hard work, good play. So exactly, we're gonna get into all of that here. Before we do, we just heard another really great Merrill Reese, you know, montage as per usual. Um, a lot of dramatic late late uh, game comebacks or wins for the Eagles this season. I don't know if Merrill Reese is going to have a voice by the end of the year. The way the way he's you know the way he's been having to step up and and deliver. Uh, but it's it's uh it's really been interesting. So obviously a crazy game last night with Buffalo, and we're going to get right into that. We're going to talk a little bit of college football later on in the show here and what that's going to look like. And then we're going to go into the Eagles 49ers, obviously a really huge matchup and the Vegas point spreads uh, actually showing the Eagles up to plus two and a half, according to DraftKings. So we'll go into all that, but let's go back to last night or late yesterday's game. Eagles bills overtime. Total breakdown of communication by the Bills. Not something you see a lot with Josh Allen thrown to a good receiver in Gabe Davis. I mean, what really happened there? I think Josh Allen said it was an option route. While clearly Gabe went left, Josh Allen threw right. And they just were totally not on the same page there. And the Eagles came back and, and delivered. They were doing right down the field and Hurts scrambled in. But I mean, what are our thoughts here? Looking on another Eagles comeback win here. It's amazing uh, what has happened in the last two weeks and – what they've overcome and and just I don't think I've ever seen and especially an Eagles game where their first possession was three rollouts because of the pressure and he threw all three balls away. That's how they started that game, if you remember. That's and it was ugly. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, and the first half, and you're talking about Merrill. I don't know what it's going to have in there, but I heard Merrill again this morning driving in. And saying right before, at, right at halftime, folks, I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to like. And it was the booing of the crowd, you know, with the 17 to 7 halftime. Yeah, you know, Philly does that. They're notorious for that. I don't have a problem with that. They boo, they cheer uh, or boo the product they see on the field that day. It, it, you know, and it, it's not like when they 
stink up the joint for a half. Don't forget, they're soaking wet, right? Uh, so you, you get, they've been out there a while, right? It's a 4.30 game, not a 1 o'clock game. Is all that does factor in. Because we were outside yesterday doing some holiday work. And it was cold. It was, it, you know, I said to the guys, it might as well snow. It was bitter cold. And you got the rain. Ah, man, talking about nasty elements to be out in. I'd do too. If I had to sit through that for 90 minutes and watch that more bond offense. But, you know, I think one of the things you want to focus on here today to, to really underscore some of the concerns are, you know, you've been outscored, but Chad's probably got the exact yardage. You've given up 100 yards a game, bud, uh, the last four wins, something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's – I don't ha- I don't have it right in front of me, but, yeah, I know that's about what it what it is. And it's hard to get outscored and, and win. And that's kind of a whole, you know, point where we're looking at last week is some of these, some of these Eagles wins recently. I, I guess the feeling of the city is – there's some people who think, look, look at our record. You know, we're ten and one. Who cares? A win is a win. And there's a lot of other people yeah. that are, I think, have more of my view where it's, yeah, it's not ever necessarily about the record. It's these aren't necessarily great wins. You know, we're not looking at blowouts here. Looking at some really scary wins. Couple key plays happening. Like obviously the offense stepped up yesterday, but not without before that. Before Buffalo absolutely had that game won and managed yeah, to throw it away. Yeah. Um, whatever you want to call it, it is what it is. The total miscommunication. It's just the Eagles, and I'll say it just like last week, they need to play a little better. They need to step up a little more in order to go go win this all, win the Super Bowl. Uh, I, it's, yeah. it's, it seems like this this kind of this somewhat of a luck factor they're getting in these games is, is a little bit unsustainable. And yes, they're playing good, but there's been a couple key like lucky situations the past few weeks. We can't rely on drops. We can't rely on miscommunications, both in the end zone both late in the game. We just need something. We need, we, we need to get out of that. And if it happens, it happens. But we need to play a little better so that we can't rely on that happening, which has been the past couple games. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think I, Chuck, I don't think I've heard the words ugly win more in a season where a team that's 10-1. <laughs> yeah, you've you got to feel that way. Here, I do have the math. Uh, 1,719 yards versus... I'll round it here, 1,300. Yeah, that's I said, 100 more yards per game average. I have not, I can't even go back 50 years. I just did some spot check on this audit. I can't find anything. I mean, most of my audits stopped after two. In other words, you won't find a four-game win streak where you've got plus, minus 100 yards, give up offense, and win. You won't find it. So it is unprecedented. You also won't find, and, and one probably does match the other, but 305 plays against 240. So you've given up 65 plays, too. So if they're the, if they're the metrics, if that's the fence you put around the four wins, then you start looking inside the fence to say, how did they win? Well, you got culture. Lack of penalties, that's huge. Look at Buffalo over the penalties yesterday. Okay, you got turnovers, you got coaching decisions. We also have that grit that the Eagles players just, they play harder. They play smarter when they need to. The good players make a play when they need to. And we said that last week, but I believe in that bad night, Georgia factor. I would throw, you know, Michigan pedigree in there too. 
Navy, Auburn, we add up those four universities. I think it's 12 players on the roster. Alabama, Georgia, mostly Auburn, Michigan. That's a lot of winning in college football. All right? These players are used to highest pedigree gone. They bring that mantra into the Eagles uh, locker room and that good coaching that they've had. I think you put that on the field and I, I think it transfers ideally to the field. Chad, react to that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does. I think you look at guys who come from elite pedigree schools and they're going to have that higher level of coaching, uh, that mentality. You know, those are expectations that they need to win. You know, that's what you have when you go to Bama and you go to Georgia. You're expected to win. Yep. And yep. dealing with that pressure, growing you know, growing into that as a, as a young adult from college to the NFL, I, yeah, it definitely only helps. If you succeeded there and you can, you can, it shows you can have that mental maturity to get through there, I think it's only going to help you, and, and you're definitely seeing that, in Hur- especially in Hurts' case, because and this guy was benched in a national championship game. Yeah, um, yeah. Came back and absolutely rallied, rallied through it. You know, finished college career strong, new location, didn't struggle at all, and then took the NFL you know, by storm. Was it just over? I guess a uh, year, year and a half ago, two years ago, here came in there, and all of a sudden, you know, he's he's now our franchise quarterback, making a boatload of money. So it's it's certain guys like that they they do step up and handle that pressure well. And then you have Philly. Philly's obviously not an easy place to play either. So that just adds all of it. Where I think Bama, Georgia guys, yeah, they're going to be ready to handle Philly more than most guys. And yet, all that said, I'm sorry about the voice that I have the weather. Quite accurately, yet. Vegas reaches in the lower drawer and pulls out the fraud stamp and stamps the game. You're getting two and a half points. That's well, let, let's look at that then. So let's, let's move yeah. things around. We did the Bills. We'll talk about the 49ers. And then we'll end with college football then. Yep. So yep. let's look at the Eagles-49ers matchup this week. And let's maybe just start. Let's start with a f- one interesting statistic that I found. And then we'll go in to compare the teams briefly. So in the Super Bowl era, there's been 59 teams that have been 10-1 and one or better to start the season. So 11-0 and 0 or 10-1. And, and right. if you look at point differential, which either you value it or you don't, depending on you know, how right. you view it, right. Eagles are second worst on that list, at f- ranking 58th out of 59th at plus 64 run differential. The only worst team, and this is hopeful for the Eagles, was the 1976 Raiders, which were plus 41 at this time. They went on to win the Super Bowl, though. So <laughs> now most teams are around 130, plus 130 at, at this time, who were 10 and 1 or 11 and 0. Eagles are naturally half of that. And that goes to what we've seen before. There hasn't been a blowout win. There hasn't been these uh, right, uh, right. ugly wins we've seen, other than maybe, you know, the Dolphins, I guess. Uh, but, you know, so you can make of that what you may. It's just an interesting stat 58th out of 59th there. But you know, the Eagles have that underdog mentality. They've, they've done it before. So, anyway, let's look at the Eagles versus the 49ers. And I guess the quick summary, offensively, these teams are are pretty, pretty, pretty close. Uh, you know, 49ers edge in passing. Eagles just edge in rushing. Points scored are identical, 310 apiece. Total offensive yards, they're, you know, within 200 of each other. Defensively and turnovers, things really start to start to change here. And that's um, Vegas. That's why you see the line. Yeah, yeah. and this is why we're, gonna, we're seeing the line as it is. Passing yards, 49ers have 500 less passing yards allowed defensively. They're pretty close in rushing yards. Overall points allowed, though, 
170 points allowed for the 49ers versus almost 250. It's a 246 for the yeah, Eagles. that's your line. So we're looking at 500, yeah. for almost 600 yards of, of defensive yards difference. So total different defensive you know results here. And lastly, do you have any uh, strength of schedule baked into that? Do you know by chance? Not right, not right in front. Of me. That's something I okay. can pull yeah, up yeah, once right. I turn it over. Okay. So yeah. lastly, turnovers. Obviously, turnovers are critical. In 2022, the Eagles were plus eight in the turnover differential. I think that was top three in the NFL. This year, Eagles are minus two. 49ers are plus eleven. That's a huge difference. So we have uh, sixteen giveaways to fourteen takeaways. So negative two. 49ers only have 10 giveaways and 21 takeaways. They have 15 interceptions, which is just insane. So they're a plus 11. So right there, that's going to be probably the key of the game. We've got to win the turnover battle here because 49ers have been dominating that. Chuck, you know what I was, th- you know what I was thinking also? I wonder if Lane Johnson may be not being available when you have Bosa and Chase Young and Hargroves coming in their defensive line. And you have Driscoll in there instead of Lane Johnson. I think that could move it a couple points. Is that is that status affirmed for this week, Al Johnson? Well, they, you know, it's a groin pull, and they did a, a little X-ray type of thing, so it's, it's something that they're not going to disclose. That's for sure. But I mean, if he doesn't play, and Driscoll did not do too bad a job yesterday, as opposed to yeah. before it, but. Uh, the, the defensive line, and then, you know, everybody's familiar, too, with all the – between the four or five standout offensive players with the 49ers, and they've looked pretty good lately. So it's really surprising, like you said, with the three-point home thing, whatever. But uh, Well, well I'm seeing that. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to respond to your uh, very nice portrayal you did. That was a good given. As you were doing that, I was drawing my editorial – cartoon and the what I was drawing were the Eagles on over city a stadium on a high wire right you get it and it's it's a high wire act it's what it is every week so you don't win the stats you don't win a lot of things but you're winning and is that sustainable now normally in most years, that's where a lot of people push back and say, no, absolutely not. But for one reason, you, you got a cadre of other good, let's keep the lead out of for a moment, good quality teams that you can't survive. It's not sustainable if you play like that and you're playing these other good teams. Here's the difference this year. I don't respect a hell of a lot of other teams. I, what I'm saying here is, you could probably walk that high wire through to the other side and live to tell about it. Because who's so good that they're going to take advantage of it? Maybe San Francisco is one of those teams. React to that, right? Yeah. I mean, look, that's that's fairly stated. Um, it, it certainly helps with a quarterback with, like, for lack of better, an old terminology, ice water in his veins. He doesn't seem to be different than if he's having a bad first half and then can turn it on in the second half. Uh, you got to give him a lot more credit, I think, than people do. Well, Al, he's at 75%, and I've been tracking his crap all my life. Kind of a boring life, one would say. It's been good. But I have not seen 75%. Remember back when our heroes, Namath, United, et cetera, uh, they were 59%. And then one of them broke the 60%. 
completion ratio. We got all excited. We got a 62%. United's won 62%. Now, I know the game's changed. I get the rule factor and all that. When you're talking about a guy who's completing against very sophisticated professional defenses, 75%. I know when I brought it up this morning, the ESPN chart, I took a, a second look at that. And there's two of them, by the way. Purdy's not the only one. I think it's Mahomes in back of him at 75% completion ratio. That's outlandishly high. It's just pro football. And we got a pro quarterback completing three out of four passes. It's just not in back of St. Peter's cells, these eighth grade boys. This is professional football, and you're com- you're completing three out of four. And you know what else? Excuse me, Chuck. You know what else about it, too? Over the last couple of weeks, you're seeing Brown. Now, they're paying particular attention to him, but a lot of that is because you're not paying attention to you don't have Goddard in there, and they could let Stoll run over the middle and maybe get thrown one ball a a week. So it changes your defensive backfield setup. Yeah, and and you make a great point on the tight end. So, yes, all teams have injuries, but, you know, and yes, that left tackle position, holding Toledo. The way you look at the way they value that in the draft, you almost start to say, I mean, Brown's a different story. But for the normal receiver, most uh, scouting guys will talk and GMs will place more value on that left tackle position. I mean, that is just, you know, it's insurmountably priceless right now in the NFL uh, where you get the best rusher, uh, you know, uh, matched up. But the Eagles are winning in the strangest of ways, but they have a lot of character. They never quit. They Now, Kelsey yesterday had back-to-back penalties. Well, you're thinking, is this it? Because you just – something really odd had to happen, you know, to put the nail in the coffin. And Kelsey has back-to-back five-yard penalties, leaving a six-yard field goal yep. right before that kick. One of my buddies at the game texted me, this is the hardest it's rained all day. How in the heck, Chad, does he knock that through? Wet football, pouring rain, and he kicks the ball 60 yards through the uprights. He swings the leg with the same speed, whether it's an extra point or a 60-yarder. Let's see what he does here. Hold your breath. Ball is spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... It's going over time! He is amazing! He is amazing! They just do not want to go away. I mean, that's just clutch. That's just clutch right there. It's an unbelievable kick. I couldn't believe... I I would like to have seen the uh, probability of, of making that. But it was just talking about stepping up at the most critical moment of the game. It's all you can really say. It's it's a clutch kick. It really is. I saw an, an interview with Elliot, and he's Mr. Carl Coom, uh, Coom, uh, collected, cool and collected. And he had said they were mentioned about the conditions. He said, "Well, it, it was worse at that end." He said. Then there was a little bit of a wind shift. He said. So listen to this. He said, "I had to downgrade my kick as far as the height going and so forth because yeah, well, of, well, a little bit." I mean, yeah. that's just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Yeah, they they factor all that stuff in. I mean, we always talk about the layman trying to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball and how you'd never forget that the rest of your life. But take a, a, a decent athlete out of the stand and tee it up and tell him to kick the ball yesterday's conditions 
driving rain, a little bit of wind, whatever, and kick the ball 60 yards through the uprights and see how pathetically, ridiculously embarrassing all the efforts would be. I mean, granted, he's the pro. But still, when you look at those circumstances and the pressure, how hard is it to deliver there? Yet, I was texting to the group. The Eagles were going to win this game. He's going to hit this field goal. It's their culture. It's what they do. They make big plays. So if you let them hang around like the last three teams have done, or four teams, you're going to lose the game. They'll get you late when they come out at halftime. You're like, okay, Buffalo ran against them. Da, 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 da. What changes will the Eagles make? And in the first series, none. Three and out. You're thinking, oh, this is different. But then on the second offensive series, all of a sudden they start. I thought Romo does a great job. And Philly people getting on Romo because of Dallas. It's just ridiculous, you know? It's like Collingsworth. They're, they're, they're very astute game guys. Break it down nice. They start showing that the Eagles now are running wide. And by spreading out the Buffalo defense, the run lane advantages they have running wide. And the Eagles stuck with that. And that's to their advantage. That opens up the pass. Now, Hertz is going to take off on third and eight and run. All of a sudden, didn't you get the feeling Buffalo can't stop them now? Once they started that, didn't you get the overwhelming feeling they're not going to stop the Eagles? Well, it looked like Buffalo. I mean, yes. And it looked like Buffalo was almost trying to give that game away when you watch yeah. the Eagles drive down the field. I mean, how many times did the Eagles, before that field goal was kicked, do a five-yard out or seven-yard oh out, something like God, that? Great it had to be five or six point. times. I know at one, at one point oh. in that drive, Hertz was four for four for, I think, 32 yards or something like that. I'm like, how many Damn. times is this guy going to run six yards, left turn, right there? And I get they're trying to defend a deep pass and they want to get burned, but eventually, Coach, yep. when, when they've done this ten times over the course of two drives – when are you going to change? When it's pouring rain, I don't think we're going to see Hertz as you know trying to go deep too often. And meanwhile, you know, seventy-five <laughs> percent right. of the time, he's throwing underneath. You got to at least you got to always have one guy there. I mean, come on, the guy both were just sagging back is giving up these yardage, but just bad, bad coverage. But I want to go back to something else. I, want, I just want Al, 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 can Al respond to that? Al, hold your thoughts, Chad. Al, why the softness in the quarter play there? You kind of see it all the time. I know, I know, let him play underneath, let the clock run. We all the conventional, you know, uh, rhetoric. Why does Buffalo, in that instance, play such soft corners to Chad's point and just let him establish field goal territory? And the announcers just now they're going to button it up and get tighter. No, they didn't. Al, what are we missing? I don't know what we're missing, but the Eagles certainly didn't miss it and took advantage of it. If you want to give me six or seven, now you got second and three, yeah. and you're going to be in four-down yeah. territory anyhow. Now, now that increases, maybe make one run in there or throw another five- or six-yard pass, and then just work their way down the field. Yeah, I mean, you guys just layered two great points. Chad caught the soft quarter play, and then you may expand upon that with how much easier – that soft corner play makes it to get the first down. Mm -hmm. That's what the whole sequence is about. We need a first down to continue to advance yardage. Exactly. Oh, they're, oh, look what they're giving us. Oh, it's second and three. Oh, look what they're giving us. Oh, it's 
started one. Hey, Buffalo, you've got to zip it up, tighten it up. You got to stop the action. And I think there's sayings for all this stuff. Playing to win, play aggressive, all that stuff is applicable there. And, and, and you know, the, it would seem like the Eagles in that situation would have made a play and pulled off and stopped the other team, you know? But the other team, not so much with the Eagles. I'm sorry, but what was your point way before? Well, that? earlier you mentioned strength. So there's two things, strength of schedule and similar opponents. Now, strength of schedule, apparently, I guess there's not a uniform way to do it because a lot of different websites, a lot of different answers. But Power Rankings yeah. Guru, I know I've seen them before. As far as yeah. I know, they're credible. They have the Eagles and 49ers year to date very similar in the, the okay. average opponent ranking. Yeah. Um, and then remaining schedule today, they actually have the Eagles a little softer, the 49ers a little tougher, but both are in the green category for not exactly right. overly okay. difficult. But um, looking at similar opponents here, there has been four uh, similar matchups. Now, okay. we had both teams, Eagles and 49ers, have played Dallas. Both won. Eagles won 28-23. 49ers won 42-10. to So 49ers had a huge blowout against Dallas there. Uh, both teams also played Los Angeles. Eagles won 23-14. 49ers 30-23. Both played Minnesota. Eagles won. 49ers lost. And lastly, both played Tampa, and they both won by uh, almost two touchdowns. Overall, right. those four similar teams, the yeah. Eagles are 110 points scored, 76 allowed for a plus 34 run differential, while the 49ers are plus 47 run differential. I'm sorry, I keep saying run differential because I'm so used to baseball. Yeah, yeah. Point we differential. Point we... differential. <laughs> um, so... A little bit favors the 49ers, but earlier, you know, we looked at a huge different point differential, and now all of a sudden you look at the similar opponents, and it's not as skewed as it was. It's a lot more no, balanced not, there. Not. Um, now, you can yeah. say Dallas is maybe the only quality team, maybe Minnesota, because I know Cousins was available for both of them. Uh, so maybe those teams equals a 2-0 on that list. Uh, 49ers 1-1, but they did blow out Dallas. So... Tough to judge, but I think all those factors are why we are seeing the 49ers at a favorite. You know, their turnover yeah. differentials are way better. They have a huge win, yeah. blowout win versus Dallas. Um, they have a lot better defensive stats. And let's not talk, forget about the time. They played Thanksgiving, so they have three extra days off right there. That's got yeah, to be a point or two. That's got to be that's something. A great, that is a fantastic catch right there. Um, that is a very good point. I was escaping the schedule here, metal block. And another thing you just said, you kind of slipped it in that, you know, people that live in the world of stats like we do, I would think this would be a very relevant stat to put on there. And that is roster availability. You could call it RA, you could call it health factor, HF, you call it what you want. It would be a composite that would let you know that the roster was intact when you're doing this comparison. Because, you know, when you take out a quarterback and a, a skilled position at wide receiver or a really prolific running back, they have teams playing deficient. They're wounded. You know, you don't know that. They ought to give you a little composite that the team was 96%, you know, which you know everybody's there if they're 96, you know. Uh, if you see they played at 58%, quarterback was missing. or the wide two wide receivers, you know. We, that's something to talk about. But the extra days off, I think if you were talking to the lines maker, I would, I'd make a sizable 
contribution. Can we do that year end at Grimley Bug? Can we make it? Are we able to make a sizable contribution? I think we are. What to the betting the Eagles? No, no, no. What I bet was if we were able to talk and pick the brain of a line setter in Vegas right now. Say, for instance, we had a one eight hundred number to call, and the guy answered the phone. The old Patty Demarco, God rest his soul, who set the line. That's crazy, man. He said, "Hey, we're all shocked here in Philly." It opens at one. We're a little shocked at that. It zooms because we don't see one and a half point moves the first 24 hours. You know, Bud, from our betting room, that's rare. What's behind that? I think you're going to hear two things. Tell me if you disagree. And to your point, I think you're going to say that extra time off for San Fran is invaluable. And number two, when you guys talk about these unbelievable comebacks, you know, Buffalo, when it looked like it held a shutter, it could happen. They do. Kansas City, it's all got to go right. It does. When you add those games and stack them, do you emotionally drain a team for the San Francisco matchup? I don't even, I mean, yes, I think that it's tough to go back to back to back with three tough games like that. I think that's part of it. And I think if you're a Vegas odd, you know, you don't really, like, if you look at uh, some type of, you know, software, it showing ten and one versus you know eight and two something or eight and three something like that whatever it's showing, it's not gonna overly weight that so much more because it's gonna look at the individual plays and it's gonna know it's gonna assess hey yeah. we had a drop pass here that the Chiefs had we had a wide open touchdown that Buffalo had a miscommunication on you know, yes the Eagles played very well but those two plays both happened in the final seconds of the game. A little longer right. than that for the Chiefs. That's a reality. So the Eagles are just as easily uh, two a uh, three loss team, eight and three instead of ten and one. Now they're not; they're ten and one. So, but you're not looking at a huge difference there. And maybe you take the Chiefs away. Maybe the Eagles drove down the field at least nine and two because That's good that, point. that touchdown with saying, Buffalo is obviously okay. game over. So the Vegas isn't going to be oh my god like like you heard uh, was right. Seltzer <laughs> on the radio today like like a little like a little like five year old Christian right. Stag going oh my god the right. Eagles wins their wins I'm like. Right, right, uh, it's right, not I about the wins. It's not just about the. It's about the plays. You know, like the wins sounds so, I guess, naive uh, of the reality of what is under underlying those wins. The, so the I job, think, the, yeah, the, the job of the podcast here, and we don't always come right out with it in the first ten minutes. Like, oh, that's where we get. It. But you know, people are telling us weekly now that you called this, you called that, you called the hurt, you called, and it's all nice compliments. But the job of the podcast, the mission is to unravel or unpack things in a manner you're not hearing on Sports Talk Radio every morning. You just did that. Congratulations. What you just did was say, a missed field goal and the sack that happened and a penalty that wasn't called doesn't make the Eagles all of a sudden three points better. Yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah. the, only one, the, only one, in, right? the only one on the morning show today who I think fully – appreciated this point was Richie and it almost seemed like Richie. he didn't want to go too much against the grain here with uh you know with, yeah. with, with the with against the camera and stuff like that and does not even deal with that but you heard Richie put I heard Richie pushing back this point on the way into work and he was like look it kind of makes sense and then it was all of a sudden like too much pushback and just kind of they kind of moved on but that's what we're looking at so and right now at hey, DraftKings it's Al. Eagles plus two and a half Al I got a, a question for you buddy because I know you listen uh, uh feverishly in the morning there 
the they certainly caught that the Eagles opened up as a, a dog. The whole world knew that. Even the dogs knew that. Sophie knew that. Mimi knew that. But it then shot the two and a half midway through the show. I'm going to call that nine o'clock. Chad may have a tracking dog on it, no pun intended. But they never reacted to the two and a half on the radio, or did they, Al? And I missed it in my preparation for the podcast. Did they adjust and catch? that the line went to two and a half while they were on the morning show? Chuck, I hate to give you this information, but I believe that's the time I was in the shower. <laughs> okay. Then, hey, we got the visual, baby. There's Coach Al. <laughs> but, uh, Chad, you listened a little bit. You didn't hear it. I no. don't think no, but FanDuel, they caught no, that. I don't, I don't know if they did, but FanDuel's up to two and a half now as well. It's a full point yeah. this morning. And yeah. I think DraftKings and, has already been there. Yeah, the only reason I throw that, that point in the bucket is not to be critical of WIP. I like being a part of it, uh, the forum anyway. But the reason I make the point is I'm always enamored, for lack of a better word, with the oddities of sports talk radio. And I classify, I check that box, oddity, that a live sports talk radio show with, you know, they have all kinds of kids running around or doing their intern work and all that stuff. Other guys on headsets, what do they say on the other channel? Miss something that large because they made a big deal of the fact that the Eagles were a one point underdog, as we did. But when it changed, when it went up to two and a half, I didn't hear, I cricket, I didn't hear a word. And I thought, but isn't it something that you guys are missing? I was on hold and they told me I was up next, but then they brought one of the players on and I was doing the research for the podcast. I just I wanted to bail. Had to bail, but they—I don't think they ever pivoted to. Holy Toledo, the Eagles are now at two and a half point underdog. But enough about that. Enough about that. Uh, did we we covered the Eagles pretty good? We pivot back to college here. Yeah, let's go over to college football where we have quite the ending to the season here. So here's what we have going on right now. Here's our top top four. We got. Oh, I'll go a little more than that. Georgia. Michigan, Washington, Florida State, the only remaining undefeated teams. Then we got Oregon, Ohio State, Texas, Alabama. We'll stop there. They're all 11 and 1. So, going in, we're looking at the top four you know, seedings. The matchups this yep. week ahead are pretty critical. We have yep. Oregon, the five seed, playing Washington, the three seed, Friday night. We have Michigan playing Iowa. That one's probably not too big of a deal. But the winner of that is in. Michigan wins, they're in automatically. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to, uh, yeah yep. I just think it's hard to imagine Michigan yep. losing there. Nope. Uh, we Can't have happen. the uh, Florida State. Um, no, it's, we'll start. We have Georgia you, versus plays Alabama Saturday night in the SEC Championship. And then lastly, we have Florida State playing Louisville. So there's a couple really big questions here. Number one, what happens if Alabama beats Georgia? Both teams are 12-1. and one. A lot of people think Georgia's just automatically in. Is Bama gonna, you know, maybe shake that up? But they're both twelve and one. Who do you favor? Let's let let's reverse engineer our speculation. I'll defer to Coach Al. Who do you think by that tapestry, Coach, gets screwed this year? Because there's always one team that gripes. We got screwed. Who do you see as that? Team this year, Al. Who's going to get screwed? Well, a lot of times why? in a state like it may be Texas, but they're they're eleven and one. So I mean, I think they weren't enough to be in there. And they uh, beat Alabama, right? And yeah, and uh, it's uh, unusual. This time last week, Louisville was ten and one. 
and ranked ninth or 10th. And then they got upset by Kentucky, but Louisville in turn plays Florida State this week. So, I mean, it, it, right. there's still stuff that's going on here that it's tough to say. Okay. I, and but, I'll tell you a team like Missouri. Missouri has looked really good the last four or five weeks. They got two losses. Penn State, they're the dogs. I don't think they deserve to get in. Uh, yeah, we're too low now. No, 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 we're going way too low. But I'm, I think the the fine point that I wanted you to put on my question, and I see where you went with that, but what I was getting at, Chad, was what team that looks credit worthy, hey, I should get that loan. My credit's good. Sorry, we declined a lot. What team, bud, is going to say what? That they got screwed. Is it possibly Florida State with an impeccable record? but not welcome to the dance on pedigree because we really believe that with an Alabama win, they're in, they won the SEC, that one lost Georgia team is more appealing to everything, the TV, the suits, everything, everything, just leave it at everything, than Florida State undefeated. So here's, if Florida State's undefeated, I can't imagine them not getting in. They're undefeated. Okay, yeah, their quarterback's they're out, okay. but the reality is plenty of college teams have won with backups. So right, right, I just right. don't think they can remove them. But I think, I think the most interesting scenario is what happens if Florida State loses and Bama wins. So is it possible they put Georgia and Bama and Michigan in there and then the winner of Oregon versus Washington? Could, well, could that happen? Point. And that would snub Florida State. <laughs> that would put right. Oregon in. But I guess, yeah. uh, I don't know, Oregon, Washington, you can't have – it's tough because if you did Georgia-Bama both in, Michigan in, there's three, and then it's the winner of Oregon-Washington. Right. From having done this in previous years, I recollect thickly that the most fascinating and compelling scenarios are the ones that manifest out of losses. What happens if most of the teams lose that aren't supposed to? That's where you really get into a – formidable conundrum, you know, because the win, to your point, just establish a quasi-entitlement. Like, to your point, Florida State, if they win out, they've earned it, so they're in there, you know? But you're right. If What happens if certain teams lose? And, and I think, is it the beauty of what you want to do, this rain dance, at, at the end of every college, this debate, it's full of intrigue. It's all everybody's talking about the last two weeks. You don't have this debate next year. You dilute this debate. You extinguish the debate. There's 12 teams. Ugh, blah. No excitement whatsoever. No Big Ten championship game like you saw. Well, it wasn't the championship game. It, it was the championship game. Let's face it. Okay, the winner of that game Saturday is going to beat the hell out of Iowa, okay? But you don't have any of that next year because it's so diluted. You're not going from four to eight. You're taking a quantum leap and going from four to 12. Yeah, I think four Doesn't to six that... or eight could have made more sense. Yeah, thank you. Doesn't this ruin the party, Al? Doesn't it just dilute everybody's going to the party? No big deal that you're invited. Of course, I'll see you at the party. Everybody's invited to Chuck's party. Respond to that, coach. Well, deep down inside, there's always one or two teams in here where you don't particularly like their coaches and this and that, and you're hoping they get beat and don't get in. That yeah, makes, you know, yeah. 
and I feel that I'm not a Saban fan, whatever, but you have to respect, I guess, all the records he's had and all the great players, he, whatever. But uh, I, I would like to see, and, and I'm not a hardball fan, but you got it. Michigan, I mean, has established themselves as a great team. Yeah, I always think the postseason is better with Alabama in it. I've said that for years. And hats off to them. I remember that, I forget the acronym for the team from Florida, F. U.S. or whatever it was, who they played week three, and they were just absolutely abysmal. I'm sure the quarterback was out because I used Alabama that week in our little sports room and got smoked. Uh, but they, they looked terrible. They, the, the line play was bad. Uh, and even though they, they almost lost Auburn, they really looked good in the last four games of the season. And they act saving. It's just like a remarkably different team. And he goes, well, the skill positions get big. We really practice hard, he said. You know how he shrugs his shoulders? Well, you know, it looks like he's going to have a, a shoulder lock the way he shrugs his shoulders. You know, we really practice hard. Uh, and he said the skill positions do get better. He says, but both lines have gotten twice as good, you know, through, through development. We, we talk a lot in baseball about player development, you know, and Saban saying both lines are, are really good now. They weren't much. In September, you know, it makes it, it gives Alabama a whole different look. If you watch the game Saturday, they look a lot like Alabama, you know, uh, not as good as the powerhouse teams, great, you know, but they, they, they look really good. Um, so you want them in there. You definitely want them in there in postseason. Now, if they lose to Georgia, they can't go in. Um, so all so is, said is and that, done, does that mean the only way Bama gets in then is they have to win? Oh, yeah. Florida State has to oh, lose. Yes. Oh, uh, well, hold on now. They have to win. Yes. Al, help me out here. Uh, and Florida State has to lose. No. No, because are you, are you saying that Georgia gets in, Chad, with, with their loss? Yes. They'd get in anyway? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So in that case, it gets funky in that regard. You're, you may be right. Uh, yeah, it's where it's crazy, man. It's where it's, it's, it's over. You know, gets nuts with the one-loss teams. And you know, we haven't talked yet about Washington and Oregon, right? Have well, we? I'm just assuming the winner gets in and the loser doesn't. Of Washington and Oregon? Oregon? Which Washington, will be... Yeah, Washington wins their 13-0, and but if Oregon wins, they're 12-1 and and Washington's 12-1. and All right, help me with this, Coach. Help me with this. Uh, I don't... And I should know this by now. Is there an, an alignment with the committee, the governing body, if you will, that says certain conference winners are automatically entered into the dance. Is that a fallacy or is, is that, that, that is, I mean, we, we always look at the SEC winners automatically going in or the Big Ten. Is that necessarily not true? I just think it's a fact that if you win your conference, you're in if, if you're one of these elite teams. If they're if it's one of the better conferences, yeah, but not necessarily the Pac-12, right? So, yeah, that's where it gets confusing because uh, you know who's if Florida State wins and it's going to be a tough game against Louisville. I think it's a five-point line. You just you know you you know it's Arizona to the World Series, and by the way, they had a terrible ratings with Arizona in there. Who wanted to see Arizona Texas? Come on. Uh, and that, I don't mean that in a condescending way about Arizona, but nobody wants to see that matchup, okay? Uh, we talk about brand matchup. 
so I, I don't think anybody wants to see Florida State in the Final Four. Uh, who the hell will they beat, even if they win Saturday? Nobody. Um, but, you know, it, it's fascinating. And it all goes away next year when you have 12 teams. So better for money, better for all that stuff. But the, you know, the last week, the last regular week of the college football season at the mouthful, you won't have that intrigue anymore. No, right? you'll, you'll have the intrigue of like, oh, who's going to be ranked one versus three, but no yeah. one's going to really care. Does Oklahoma get in versus LSU or Arizona sneak in or Louisville sneak in versus Penn yeah. State? Like, yeah. eh, not as big of a deal. Um, yeah, so it's definitely going to lose some of that that and, and if, sparkle. And if I we had a little we more, if we if we had a little more time, and we don't, we could right now circle what we think the twelve would be if it were this year. That wouldn't be a, the worst thing to do. It'd be kind of fun, but we were starting too late to do it. But that's when Al's points about Penn State, maybe Notre Dame, all they all come into focus if you're expanding that that vista to twelve. But certainly not, certainly not with four. Is it, it will be better next year, Bud? Because you now have twelve teams are going to melt themselves down. No, no, I, I don't think it'll be better for the fans no. because I think twelve is too much. I mean, I think we'll right, probably right. see eight or six. Probably eight's a good number. Uh, I think you could have a nice. You know, look at the top eight this year. They're all eleven and one or better. Right. Texas, Ohio good State, point. Oregon, Alabama, or the or four five, or five, good. six, seven, eight. Uh, those are good teams. That would be fun. Like I would like to see Ohio State have a rematch. You know, see yes, if they, they can redeem yes, themselves. Yes. Um, that's but that's not, that's not going to happen. Yes. So I think eight would be a fair number. With 12, we still get those rematches. I just think you're going to have some teams get absolutely humiliated. Um, yes, you know, right, I assume right, one right. seed gets a bye. Right. So if three ends up playing the winner of like yeah. a, no, right, if three right, ends right. up playing like a 10 or 11 or 12 or something, yeah, uh, I just think it's you're going to see some ugly blowouts. And I don't know if that's what people really want to see. Because when you go to 12, I don't know the names of these other conferences, like you know, the other MAC conference. All this. But when you go to 12 and you get a team like Brigham Young or something that goes undefeated, they're in that 12, right? Can't not be. Well, I mean, you, it depends. I guess it depends. Like Liberty's 12 and 0, but I don't think they would make yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just saying you could have this setup. Yeah, you, you could. About. Yeah, a lower level yeah. team, like a two lane or you know, something like that. I'll give you another example. A week or two ago, you're talking James Madison screaming, they're undefeated. Should they be considered? Yeah, yeah. Then they get right. beat. Yep. Right, right, right. Now, let's talk about the college. Let's talk about the intrigue bowl game on New Year's Day, not the, the, the four, the, the final dance. Let's talk about a bowl game that could really be a big-time brand-slash-bragging rights. Uh, could they align Alabama loses to Georgia this Saturday? They are a five-point underdog. Uh, Coach Al, could they align an Alabama, tell me what's wrong with this statement, and a Notre Dame in a bowl game? Well, Notre Dame, what, three losses? Yeah. I mean, it would be great for the viewing audience and with Notre Dame alumni and all that stuff, but I don't see how you could do that with okay. other t- other teams with zero or one loss. <clears throat> right. So, so let's talk about that classic. What's the classic – Outside the Final Four New Year's Bowl game, Chad, give me your classic. You know, and I know there's a little imagination and subjectivity here, but all things being equal, give me your classic 
not I mean, Final if we Four assume bowl Alabama doesn't make yeah. it, could we see something yeah, like a Bama, Bama, Oregon, or Bama, Ohio State? Anyway, that's a good game. Probably something. Oh, that's their good game. Something yeah, like that. Good game. Which I would right, Bama. Uh, yeah. Oh man, Bama, I think Texas Bama, maybe, Ohio but State. I think Bama, Ohio State, or Oregon would be more likely. I got, right, or, or right. it could be Oregon, Ohio State. I mean, Bama if they, if they lost. Now, right, right now, Bama's still ranked eighth. If they lose. Right, you're gonna have Ohio, Oregon, Ohio State probably as your as your you know your five and six seeds, depending Man, on how they do. Nothing, so. wrong. nothing wrong with that game, Al. Oh right. no, Oregon, Ohio State, and, and that'll be a great viewing audience. So the advertisement, yeah. oh, everybody yeah. will love that. Yeah. It just always gets tough because Bama's an eight seed, but they're like number one in like ratings. So they they want to see they want to see ratings, and they want Bama up there versus you know right some, something uh nothing against Ohio State or Oregon, but they. Ohio State Bama sounds a lot better than Ohio State Oregon. So I think we've just attached some underwriting, some agency or merit to the thesis that suggests that regardless, if they win out and get in Florida State, regardless of who they play, who their opponent is, that the the uh, viewership will be much higher if you have the likeness of at Ohio State and Oregon playing each other versus whoever Florida State plays. We agree on that? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Are we uh, are we and raving yet? Go for it. It's all you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a little positive uh, talk here. Well, first of all, a little sidebar to our, our local teams, the St. Joe's. I thought I was uh, losing my vision when I turned on the other night and saw St. Joe's at Kentucky in overtime. I, I had to call people up and say, is this the actual university or is this <laughs> like a club team? You know, oh no, that's actually St. Joe's that lost to so-and-so, the D16 two nights before. Yeah, it was unbelievable. But anyway, hats off. They they had the game won. They missed the dunk. They win the game. Unbelievable. And if somebody would have told you, even though it's early, if someone would have told you under the disbelievable header that St. Joe's is going to be Kentucky the same week that Villanova beats North Carolina. More believable, but would you? What would you react to that? Huh? Not not possible. And and Villanova did beat beat North Carolina, so you have to recognize that. But what I recognize chiefly is the character and class of the Philadelphia Eagles team. That you know, as coaches, uh, Al, what we always said was just find a way to win, man. We don't really care if you get there. We really don't care if you go look at the opponent's scorebook. And cheat a little bit. We really did. Well, let me ask, ask you we, this. What about two, two weeks ago, if you knew Villanova was going to beat a lot of good teams and win the Maui Classic, would you have ever believed that Penn beat them by 10 or 12 about two weeks ago? That just, that just sets the stage even better. Yeah, I should yep. have thrown that in there. Good catch. But uh, just the way the birds have come back, uh, I do think it spells trouble for Sunday. As a matter of fact, I'm one of the few people, maybe the only people in Delaware Valley so far, that's saying that home field, let me be clear here, home field is now at great jeopardy, great jeopardy because of two things, technically three. I see consecutive losses. Now, we love it when the podcast goes on record and we get a lot of people tracking this stuff. It's, it's, it's really cool, the stuff that's coming back now. I'm like, did we say that? And one of our fans said, why aren't you guys playing the stuff that you say on the podcast <laughs> as an intro to the podcast. You guys got the material right out there. 
and you're not going back and doing this research, you know? Uh, one guy said, hell, I'll do it for you. But I, the scenario I see uh, is San Fran lost, followed up by a really tough trip to Dallas. They're laying in wait, lost. And I think San Fran runs the table. Look at their schedule. We can lose to Seattle at Seattle. The end of this, when our guard is down and our emotional caps are filled to the brim, we can look at the first half of yesterday's game. They just weren't ready to play. They weren't off the bus yet. They were a step slow. They can lose to Seattle, too. I believe home field advantage and the Super Bowl win is determined this Sunday. If they lose the game, I submit here on the record, they lose home field and will not play in the Super Bowl. How's that for a rant, bud? I like it. Very good. Coach, what do you got? Well, I want to give some credit to uh, Carter and for Davis. They played a lot more in that defensive line. And even though Buffalo had like 505 yards, just as far as the running backs averaged 2.97 yards a carry yesterday. And that's a hell of a job and, and went unnoticed a little bit when Carter tipped that field goal attempt. Real big play at that time. And the other pass to Zacharis in the corner of the end zone was the one of the best touches on a pass when he's running the opposite way, squares himself, hurts, and then throws that ball right over the defensive player's arm. Yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Yep. Well, before you go, bud, I just want to just put in a little bit of a fine point. When you give up 505, Okay, 406, 480, and 380, and only publish 380, 240, 290, and 360. Does that sound like a Super Bowl team, bud? Well, no, it doesn't. No. Okay, you're up, man. I'm going to go right to the Detroit Lions and total rant on them. I mean, talk about a team that just just absolutely fell apart. Um, uh, talk about total choke on Thanksgiving Day at home. Lose to the Packers, 29-22. Ugly, right. ugly, ugly. So Detroit Lions, are they for real? Probably not. Uh, terrible loss yep. here. So they're still late in three. Obviously, anything can happen. But I uh, just don't see them in any way competing with the Eagles or the 49ers come playoff time. The, li- the Lions have lost their pride. I think they have. Words yeah, I like it. I think they if, have. If I heard it correctly, because my, my breathing may be compromised today, but my ears are working apparently, I think I heard you reach into the bottom drawer where we keep it and reach for the fraud stamp, and you just stamp, you stamp the paperwork rather yeah. loudly uh, on the <laughs> Detroit the fraud as stamp. fraud. Yeah, the fraud stamp, but I pass away someday. And one of you guys don't put uh, symbolic fraud stamp. I mean... I'm saying that I was one, but I love the fraud stamp. So please send it with me. It's just it's price, <laughs> it's precious, it's priceless, it's all those things. And what Chad just did, make no bones about it. He reached into the bottom door, picked out the fraud stamp, and stamped it on Detroit. And I am all over it with you, bud. Fraud stamp. That's, that's I mean, right. That's yeah, right. Absolutely. Could you hey, guys I mean, get a patent on that? Right. Can we get a fraud yeah, stamp copyright that. patent? <laughs> all right. Well, that's so all. How we- the hell did they? Uh, yeah, that's all we got for today. So we are at the speakingofsportspod.com, Twitter, Instagram, Speaking of Sports. You'll find us there. Any emails, questions, you can go to speakingofsportspod at Gmail if you want to send us any emails. 
And uh, lastly, if you want to reach out to Chuck directly, 609-828-5569. And that's all we got today. Yeah, last week we lost our buddy uh, in the middle of the podcast. And uh, it was a technical malfunction, correct, bud? Yeah, it was a shame we lost Jody there. We were confused as heck, and all of a sudden um, we we actually reached out to us and explained it was a technical thing. So we'll look forward to having him back sometime in the future here to get some more Eagles analysis and stuff, another other, in addition to other uh, strong guest lineup. So we'll be looking forward to doing that uh, hopefully soon. Yeah, absolutely. All right, right. everybody, have a great Monday. Nice win, Eagles. Hats off. Even though we're critical of certain things and try to reconstruct the game and unpack it, none of that is meant as taking away credit from a hell of a hard-earned victories again. So uh, bottom line is winning a football game, and that's what you're serving, the bottom line here. So nice job, uh, Eagles, and everybody have a blessed week, a blessed Monday. Thank you, Coach Al and Chad. Nice show. A lot of fun doing it with you. And don't forget, don't forget, if it's cash flow, if it's debt restructuring, okay, if you need factoring or bank line of credit, it's Grimley Financial, bud, that you call at 800-673-1414. We good? That's it. That's the number. And that was not We're even a here. recording, folks. <laughs> Hope you feel better, Chuck. <laughs> See you. Thanks, guys. We love you, man. It was all fun. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.